Can we do story time this morning? I'll just give you a preview of my morning. 4.05. Holy Spirit starts chatting. Have you ever had Holy Spirit chat? It's just like he wanted to talk about this, and then he wanted to talk about that, and then it's like 5.15. Like, can I go back to sleep now? Okay. I lay my head back down on the pillow, and he goes, and one more thing. Chat, 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 chat. And another hour. Finally, at 6.30, it's like, I'm getting up and making coffee. Can we have coffee together at least? So I'm going to be drinking a lot of coffee today. And here's what Jesus did. Jesus said, when I see... When I see my father doing something, that's what I'm going to do. So Holy Spirit's in a chatty mood this morning, at least with me. So I'm going to bring you in, and we're just going to chat with Holy Ghost, okay? While I've been sitting down here, i got all these stories running through my brain, and it's like, I just want to tell a couple stories. Is that okay? i got a friend named Jeff Collins. from he's, a, he's from Palestine, Texas, and I love Jeff's stories. I used to think Jeff made up his stories. But then I started grappling with him, and like everywhere he goes, this stupid stuff happens to him. It's the like crazy stuff. I mean, if, if, and <laughs> and and then all of a sudden I realize now I'm one of those people. And we we've got stories of stuff that happens. You know, some of you were here the other day, the other day and and heard our our uh, large man story. If you weren't here. It's online, I think, or something. You can. uh, I was just just so you kind of know what we what we do. For years, people said you're apostolic, you're apostolic, you're apostolic, and I don't I don't claim the name tag. I don't want a name tag. I don't need a name tag. But when a dozen people tell you the same thing, and they claim to know the Holy Ghost, you're tagged whether you like it or not. Paul says it like this. He said, I'm called to be an apostle. I don't know if I am or not. I'll let you figure that out. I'll let the people where we go figure that out. But here's the deal. In the letters to the church, the scripture says that there is one of the churches, and he said, one of your marks is that you don't tolerate those who are not apostles, who claim to be. One of my one of my concerns is as the Lord begins to develop this fivefold ministry around the world, and He's doing it all over the place. If we don't know how to recognize a true apostolic ministry, then we don't know how to recognize a false apostolic ministry. And so we have to become acquainted with what does apostolic ministry look like, so that we're not led astray or we're not under an influence of that which is polluted or that which is not pure, especially in the establishment phase of a new season in the kingdom. Does that make sense? So what God wants to do right now is, is give us a clear picture. I'm not going to tell you that we're a clear picture. I'm, I'm going to tell you I have some friends that I think are really doing a great job, and I'm just trying to be like them. So uh, if you want to know their names, I'll give you names and phone numbers later, and you can bug them. Um, I was very frustrated. Yes, this is the chatty time. Okay, yesterday at lunch, I was a little, a little frustrated because they threw the microphone to me and told, said, "Tell us about apostolic ministry." And it was like, 
and you don't want me to take over the next hour. I, I can't, I can't give you this much. I got to, um, so this morning I'm just going to continue where the comma came in the middle of the sentence yesterday. And we're going to talk about some of that, but I, I want you to see what apostolic ministry may look like. I'm not saying it is, but, uh, we were invited early on. We, we made this transition into, into full-time ministry because my son elbowed me out of the way. I got this email from him. It said, I love this church. I love this. I love this. It went down the list of everything we built in 25 years at that church. I love the empowerment. I love the next generation. I love the presence. I love, I love the worship. I love, I, I love the leadership. I love the, the way we've structured the generations and, and how we, we value every generation. He goes down this list of all the values. And then he said, and I have to leave. And I'm like, what? He said, I've worked with you for 14 years and I, I, I have to leave. And I'm like, what, what do you mean you have to leave? He said, I have to go do this. I love what you're doing. I want to do it a little different. And I knew right then the Holy Spirit said, you're done. And so I took that to my eldership and I said, hey, guys, we got this letter. I'm 64 years old, at the, 63 years old at the time. I said, what do you want to do with this? They said, what are you going to do? We know who our next pastor is, so what are you going to do? I don't know. People have been trying to hang this name tag on me for all these years, so let's just figure out what this looks like. We resigned the church, went home and told my wife. She was not real happy. She went and talked to Jesus about it. He said yes, so we were okay. Immediately, these invitations started coming in. We had no... No reason to have invitations. One of the first invitations was to a youth congress in, uh, in Argentina. If you know Argentina, Argentina is a center of revival. I have loved Argentina for years. Never thought I would get to go there. But now not only am I going there, but I get a thousand young people, fire-breathing, grandsons and granddaughters of the revivalists of the 1970s and 80s that swept from Argentina around the world but they didn't do a good job of passing it off in their own nation. And their own sons and daughters didn't receive the legacy. And now their sons and daughters were pressing in and trying to find it. And they were having this youth congress. And they said, would you come and just speak into these young people's lives? And I'm like, I got nothing. I'm, I'm an old guy. I don't even have a pair of tennis shoes that are pretty, you know. Uh, uh, <laughs> went down and they sat there and they, they gave us this just as you guys have done, you guys have been so gracious to us. We just want to say thank you for allowing us to come and treating us like family. We've just had a great time. You guys have treated us like kings and queens. And what, a, what a delight. We just love this family. And uh, anyway, the guy got up and introduced us, and I was thinking, that's, I don't know what he's talking about. But I was on my way to the platform. When I got about the second step over here, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to talk about elephants. At that point, I was, you know, they were kind of waiting for me. And so, you know, I wanted, I want you to talk about elephants. Now, time slows down. And we're having this chatty conversation and I got about 10 feet to go. And I'm like, I don't know anything about elephants. Elephants, elephants, elephants. I'm, I'm searching the memory banks. I don't have time to Google he didn't, he, he could have told me down there, but he told me here. So I couldn't pick up my phone and Google elephants. So I'm like, God, what, 
What do I know about elephants? Elephants, 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 elephants. I don't know anything about elephants. And all of a sudden, I remembered I'd seen a, 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 a documentary about the elephants of Africa in the times of famine. And I thought, okay, I, I know that. And so I said, I, I just saw this elef- these elephants. It was, and there was this documentary about the elephants, what they do in the time of famine. And they go to the place. And all of a sudden, my heart struck. Oh, I get this. What the elephants will do is they'll go to a place where there used to be water. And the old elephants will sniff it out. <laughs> and they'll go to the place and they'll, they'll find the middle of where the, where the pond or the stream used to flow. And they'll know that underneath the ground right there, there's, there's something. <laughs> and the old elephants will start stomping and they'll set up the rhythm. And they'll call the young elephants and say, come, stomp with me right here. If we'll stomp right here, there will be a pool in just a few moments. All of a sudden, I realized what the Holy Spirit was saying. It's the only thing I had. But it was the word for the moment. I reached down. There was a, this young strapping guy. You could tell he'd been in the gym a little bit. You know what I mean? And, and I, I looked at this guy. And I'm like, all of a sudden, I knew I had, to, I had to, to recruit some help on stomping this ground. And I grabbed this, this young man. And our eyes locked. And all of a sudden, his eyes rolled back in his head and he just fell out of his seat. <laughs> and, 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 I mean, there was kind of a flow right at the moment. That just kind of killed it. I'm like, I'm looking at this dead guy. Like, did I kill him? I, I don't know what happened. This is a strong anointing, but it's not that strong. And, and I, just, I just threw out this call. Will anybody help me stomp for another pool of revival? And that, and a thousand young people jumped up out of their seats and started jumping over the chairs and running to the front of that place. And for the next four hours, we jumped up and down in the middle of that place and called out for revival for the nations. Not just for the nation, not just for the region, but for the nations. There are young people, it was four years ago. There are young people that were in that service that night that are now carrying revival to nations that are being sent to the nations because in the, in the moment God said, I want you to do this instead of that. Anybody want to help me stomp for some revival? I wouldn't have shared that story, but this week, as we were preparing to come to this conference, I have, a, I have a team of intercessors that are all over, the, literally all over the world. We have people in China this morning that are praying for this service. We have people in Florida that are praying for this service. People in California and in, in, in uh, Florida that are praying for this service right now. Because I don't think any one of us can do this alone. One of the things you have to understand is that in this, in this ministry, in, in the ministry where God sends you in this season, there's nobody going to go alone. You're going to go with covering. You're going to go with partnership. You're going to go with brothers and sisters. You're going to be assembled in the body of Christ so that you cannot get away from each other and you cannot operate without each other. And you're going to be, you're going to be hand tied. You're going to be handcuffed if you don't set yourself free by connection with brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God. So right now there are people praying for us all over the world. Now you guys better start praying for somebody else. 
I'm, I'm not, I said start. <laughs> you need to continue to pray. I know you guys already do it, but I, I need you to pray for the nations. Listen, I went down to the prayer room. You got that stupid map on the wall. I hate that map. I hate maps. I just, they talk to me. They didn't used to talk to me. I used to be able to look at a map and it was just a nice map and I'd look at the places on the, isn't that, I'd like to visit there someplace. Now when I look at a map, I hear the cries of nations. I hear the cries of young people. I hear the cries of generations. I hear them and they, they shout to me. They say, come, will you come? The Macedonian call comes and I say, I can't go everywhere. I need somebody to stop with me. I need a generation. Liz, I need you. (laughs) Sorry. This week while we were praying for this service, we got this prophetic word. If I can find it, I'll read it. Do you have it, Mel? Praying for this service, young lady who is a, a visionary that sees pictures and paints them. She has people from all over the world that are asking her to, they're commissioning her to paint, paint, paint paintings so that they can, she doesn't paint just pictures. She paints prophetic schemes and colors and stuff. And every, every painting just speaks, just Tracy. She was talking to my wife. She said, as I was praying for this, for these meetings, I saw Steve's feet and a vision of your feet standing in thick mud. I heard the Lord say the land is no longer hard. Somebody needs to shout. The land is no longer hard. (laughs) And the water is no longer rolling over the land, but it's saturating the land. Saturation is here. Things are finally sinking in and the soil is alive and moving. It's sticking to the feet of those who walk in it. (laughs) Somebody needs to stand up right now and just get your feet in. Come on. Sit, Sit back down. Sit back down. Sit back down. You guys got to learn how to receive a word. I'm talking about people who want to get their feet in the mud of a saturated land and want to walk with that stuff on them. You can do that sitting down or you can do it with your feet in the mud. I don't care which you do, but I'm doing it with my feet in the mud. I'm getting my feet moving in the mud and I'm going to make a pool right here whether you make one or not. I'm going to live in the saturation of the land because there's a Spirit of God that's releasing something in the region that is no longer dry. It's no longer just running over the top of the land. It's saturating and it's becoming something that sticks to you. And you leave a residue where you walk. It sticks to the feet of those who walk through it. Feet are covered and it can't be easily washed away. Everywhere they walk, a trail is left. Somebody knows they were there. Don't talk to me about insignificance. If you'll get your feet in this mud of revival, 
and live in the saturation. Everywhere you walk, they'll, be, they'll know you were there. I don't know who was here, but somebody was here. They got mud on their feet. What does this mean? There's mud on your feet. The land is saturated. It's no longer dry. The water's not, not running over it. It's sticking. <laughs> Everywhere they walk, a trail will be made, and people will follow, for they desire the richness of the soil they leave behind. It's a fun time. Try that again. It's a fun time. (laughs) Oh, things are getting deep. (laughs) Covering is happening. Thick soil means rich soil. It's heavy, full and fruitful. Step in, step in, step in. This is that. (laughs) You see, the the people of Jesus' day knew the prophetic. And when, when this happened, they said, this is that. We've been reading about that. This is that. I don't know about you, but I can't be satisfied with that anymore. That being over there somewhere. I can't, I can't be satisfied with this being different than that. I can't be satisfied with the, that, that, that happens somewhere else in another place, in another country, in another, in another people. I, 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 I want to grab a hold of that and make my this that. <laughs> That's my Argentina story. Now you want to. Can Mel tell, tell a story? Or maybe two. And she needs to tell a couple stories. I don't know. Holy Spirit's chatting today, so let's just chat, okay? You want to tell about Pakistan or you want to tell Give me the mic. <laughs> Good morning. We are so excited to be here. And there are so many stories that uh, when you're in a relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, anything can happen. And I want to tell one story about prayer. Um, I don't know why, but ever since I was a little girl, I could always find things that were lost. Always find things that were lost. And um, I remember once my my daughter-in-law called me one day, and she said, Mel, I've lost my wedding ring. And I go, you lost your wedding ring? You took it off? She goes, well, she's a nurse, so she washes her hands a lot. She goes, I lost it. Will you pray and ask Jesus where it's at? And I just want to tell you the power of prayer. So I prayed and I said, Jesus, where's her wedding ring? Please find it. Show me where it's at. And that night I went to sleep and I had a dream that I saw the ring behind the headboard up against the wall where the carpet was. So I called the next day and I said, I had a dream and it's behind your headboard and it's up against the wall. And she goes, I already looked there. Okay, I had too much pizza last night. And the next week I went over there and I walked into the bedroom and I just ran my finger up against the wall and there was the ring. Six months later, she calls me again and she goes, Mel, you're not going to believe this. I lost the ring. I go, girl, do you know how precious marriage is? 
You keep your wedding ring on. You wash them with the ring on. And she goes, I think I left it at the hospital, and I think somebody took it. And she says, please, please pray. And I said, okay, Daddy, this daughter of yours has lost my son's ring that he gave to her. I need it back. In Jesus' name. Please. And so I I just felt like God said, I'll bring it back. And so I said, God's going to bring it back. I don't know where it's at, but he's bringing it back. And a month went by, two months went by. I kept saying, did you find the ring? No. Six months went by. Did you find that ring yet? No. Hey, you said the ring was coming back. I haven't seen it yet, Papa. Where's the ring? Bring it here. The next week, Steve and I leave town. My son, Jason, whom I love dearly, borrowed my van to go find his dog that ran off in his neighborhood. That dog got into my car, and that dog left a little deposit in my car that I smelled when I got home. I got in my car and I went, what is that nasty smell in my car? So, of course, I open all the doors, and I'm looking for the smell. And there it is, stuck to my carpet in my car. And I went, Jason, I'm going to get you. And I kicked it out of my car. And it rolled onto my driveway. And it flipped over. And a little shiny thing caught my eye. I'm looking around. I'm getting down. I'm looking. I go, yep. Something's in there. Into the sink. Pull out a fork. Turn on the hot water. Honey, what are you doing? Don't ask me. And there is my daughter-in-law's ring. Now, I want to tell you something. Don't ever think that when you pray, God doesn't hear. And don't ever think that God won't move whatever he has to move to answer your prayer. Can you imagine the angels on assignment? (laughs) Do I have any volunteers here in heaven to chase down a dog? Make him eat the ring while he's running through the neighborhood. Don't let him deposit it yet. Wait till it gets in Melanie's car and then do it. Any volunteers to run that one down? I didn't think so. You know, right now we're just in such a wonderful season of our lives. I have every shirt, every t-shirt I have says dreaming, living the dream, loving the dream. Dreaming with God. Because when you find your place, when you find where you just fit in, I'm telling you, God will do everything he has to do to make sure that you fulfill your destiny. We all have a place. And I remember when Steve came home, he said, Mel, I got good news and bad news. Like, okay, give me the, give me the good news. Hey, we're going to travel all over the world. Oh. Okay, that's cool. Give me the bad news. I just fired myself. 
I go, what exactly does that mean you fired yourself? He goes, baby, I just quit the church last night. I go, okay, so, and that means, because we've been there 23 years as senior pastors. And I was like, you did what? And what does that mean? He goes, that means we don't have a paycheck anymore. But hey, God says we're going to travel and we're going to minister to pastors, which we loved anyway. We loved it. And so I was like, okay, you stay here in the bedroom. I'm going to down to talk to Jesus. And you know, you better be right because your life depends on it. <laughs> because I did that living by faith when I married you and you put me in a bus. Hey, I'm 62 years old now. I'm not living in a bus again. Do you, do you understand me? I love that hotel we were in last night. I was like, oh, God, I could live this life. And so I went downstairs and I said, Daddy, I need to talk to you. Did you tell my husband to quit the church and fire himself? I mean, I love it that my son's going to take the church, but did did you tell him to do that right now? Because we had a plan. And he just killed the plan in six months. It was a two-year plan. They went down to six months, and he goes, yes, I did. Okay. Uh do you want me to sell the house because we have a mortgage? No, you don't have to sell the house. Okay. Do you, uh, how are you planning on paying our bills? And I just saw the hand of God with provision. It just had this little mound of gold. He goes, I got provision for you. Come on. And I remember I had my eyes closed. I was crying, of course, because I couldn't believe he did it without talking to me first. Because <laughs> we normally talk to one another when big decisions are made. And it, there was a bridge. All of a sudden, I saw a bridge. And Jesus was one end, and I was on the other, and he's calling me, saying, come on, let's go. I was like, okay. So I'm walking on the bridge, and I'm like, and I look back. He goes, you're looking back. What are you looking back for? What do you think's behind you? I was like, my ministry, my, my church, my, my salary, my my house he goes Mel don't look back let's go forward come on come on walk with me and so I started walking with Jesus a little bit further and I stopped and I was like he goes you're looking back again I go I know it's my vision if I want to look back I'm looking back I'm just you know mourning the past just for a second he goes okay come on so I walked on across the bridge and I took Jesus by the arm and he said come on we're going to have fun. We're going to have fun. I was like, okay, all right. And I realized all of a sudden I saw us walking down the road from the back. And I was carrying a little dirty security blanket in my hand. And I just looked and went, Jesus, I got this little dirty blanket, this little security blanket. And it was so cute. Jesus looked behind me and goes, yeah, I see it. I'm not worried about it. Okay. So I'm carrying my little security, and we're walking on down the road three months later. I mean, in one month, God paid off our house, which was $38,000. It wasn't just a little chunk of money. He paid off our house. A man walked up to us and gave us a check for $15,000. That paid all our cars off. 
Three months later, another man walks up and gives us a check for $24,000 and pays. In two months, we were debt-free. Two months. Because we said yes. Say yes. Say yes. I didn't know those things were going to happen before I said yes. Three months later, I go, God, Jesus, you can have my security blanket. I really believe you're going you're gonna to take care of us. And he said, I don't want it. Go put it on that tree. And I saw this humongous tree in heaven, and it's full of security blankets. <laughs> God doesn't care. He just wants your yes. Just trust me. Just trust me. And the problem is, is that because things that have happened in our life, we have lies that we believe about God. And I remember, I always check my heart. It says, guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. And I remember looking at my heart one time, and it had fear on it. And and Jesus said, why is fear on your heart? And I go, he goes, what are you fearing? And it was like, I fear that this is going to be a switch, and, a bait and switch. You know what a bait and switch is? Like you get lured into it, and then all of a sudden, it's not what you thought it was. And I said, I'm so sorry, but I'm just waiting for the shoe to drop. And Jesus said, don't worry. I'm a shoe catcher. I was like, okay, so I have nothing to fear. I can tell you story after story after story of the provision of God in these last four years that we've been just living by faith, just running with Jesus, just going wherever he tells us to go, just speaking to whoever he tells me to speak to. It doesn't matter because you're hooked up with him. You're with him. But if you don't believe he loves you and that he wants to be hooked up with you, you won't hook up with somebody you don't trust. He wants you to trust him. He wants to have a relationship with you. Every morning I wake up and say, good morning, Holy Spirit. What you doing today? (laughs) Can I do it with you? And sometimes it's pretty crazy what we're doing in that day. It's just like crazy, crazy. I was like, what are you doing today? He goes, this is this week. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get a car for Casey. This is a girl in our church whose motor just fell out of her car. Just fell out. <laughs> just like, okay, you're done. Throw that one to the junkyard. He goes, I'm going to get a car for her. And I go, oh, am I helping? <laughs> I didn't say, can I help? I go, am I helping? Because you gave me that name? Yes, you are. Okay. What are we doing? And that day we found... A, a little car for her and bought it because in 2020 God said I want you to be a really extravagant giver now I don't know how to do that except just to obey him he says buy her a car okay honey give me that money that we've been saving for the rainy day it's going over here and it was so much fun just to go and say this is yours here's the keys she's like really what? Yeah, this car is your car. It's so much fun to walk with him and say, what are we doing today? I love you. 
I know you love me. But we need to know, God. Let me tell you, if you don't hook up with the Holy Spirit and hook up with Jesus and really know the love of the Father, you're really just going to sit in the pews for the rest of your life. You'll make it to heaven, but it won't be that fun journey that everybody talks about. You want the fun? Hook up with him. Hook up with him. Take a risk. Walk, jump out by faith. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Well, I want to talk to you a little about what Holy Ghost has been talking about this morning. Um, I got Legos. You like Legos? I love Legos. This one is frozen. Guess who it's for? It's for my granddaughters. I found this Lego set. There's a scripture in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. It says this, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. As the matter of some is. But exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. In this, I can't figure out how to get this box open. and I don't want to destroy the box. But if, if, I, if I open this box, there's probably a, a cellophane. Here, there's the way to open it right there. I found it. Sort of. Yeah, well, see, there's a box. There, there's a, but, see all those little pieces? Every one of them is different, different colors, different lengths, different sizes, different shapes. And they're, they're gathered, but they're not assembled. See, the church is full of gatherings. Everybody goes to a gathering. But it's just being in the box. The box is open. Let's all go jump in the box. Oh, I'm so glad I'm in the box with you. I have no idea who you are. But I'm in the box with you. But I see that you're different than me. So I'm going to go find another blue piece because I'm a blue piece. And I'm not sure I like yellow pieces in my box. I don't know what those yellow pieces are doing here. They're did you see that shape of that thing over there? I have no idea what that's about. But I'm so glad we have lots of blue pieces in my box. Because I like the blue pieces. How, how will the picture look if we do it all with blue pieces? Boring. What would it look like if we just stack all the same color pieces all together in a nice little stack that everybody understands their place and they know exactly where they belong because they're just like everybody else and we stack them up the same every Sunday and don't you dare move out of your place. <laughs> Gathered. But if we don't know the plan, we don't know the picture we don't know how to be assembled. But if we learn that we're not supposed to be the same. Everybody say glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so glad. Just look at somebody and say, I'm, I'm glad I don't have to be like you. You know, I'm glad people don't have to live in my marriage. Because if people lived in our marriage, they would just go nuts. 
Because that woman's crazy. She, she has ideas and stuff. And it's like, we're going to what? We, on the way here this morning, it's like, we're, we're going to go do this. And I'm like, we're going to what? I'm glad I'm not a couch potato. I could be. But I married that. The, the person who takes stuff and puts it in my sink and smashes it with a fork. I married her. Some of you wouldn't put up with that. I'm glad she's in my box, but I don't want to just tolerate her. I want to know who she is. I want to know why God puts different people in my box. What are you? What are, what are you there? Why do you see the world differently than I see the world? Because it's in the picture. And God's painting a picture. Can you put up the little girl? There's a, there's a picture. Isn't she amazing? That's my granddaughter. Someday she's going to be a bride. She's going to grow up and be everything she's supposed to be. Is she a bride someday? Or is she a bride today? Is she playing dress up? Or is she playing discovery? Is she looking for identity or does she already have one? Look at her. We put the dress on her. She became the bride. It wasn't something we put on her. It was something we drew out of her. Because she was already that. See, we don't have to stand at a pulpit and, and tell her she needs to be. We need to look at those that are sitting among us and know who they are on the inside and be able to look at them and say, I know who you are. Let me use my words to declare to you. Last night as our brother led us and, 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 and as, as we were taking off the old cloak and putting on the new cloak, I was, I was watching some of you guys as, as, as you, you felt the weight of that new cloak come on you. It wasn't that it was a new cloak. You were being dressed in what you already were. You were discovering, not creating. Before you were made, God created you. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew of the day that you would walk into your destiny and you would begin to understand who he was in you and what he put on you. And the, the grace that you carry that manifests his glory like no other will manifest his glory. The, the gift sets that he, that he wove into your life different than any other person on the face of the planet. He wove it into you because he knew who you were. And we, we, we offend his image when we try to be something else. By comparison. Comparing my mantle with someone else's. Comparing my gift with somebody else's gift. When we say, I'm, I'm not like you, so I can't be what I'm supposed to be. I, I, I can't shine like you shine. 
but it's the same light that reflects. We don't know what it's going to look like, but he said, but, but he says, when you see him, you'll become like him. Satan lived in the glory of heaven. He had, he had a breastplate full of, of precious stones cut with, with facets that as he moved, the, he, he was a one-man laser show. He had pipes and, and tabrets, drums built into him. That he, when he walked, he was, he was rhythm happening as he walked. As he breathed, he breathed music. But he didn't realize it wasn't his breath. He didn't realize that the reflection wasn't his reflection. It it was only what he'd been given. And how the one who created had dressed him and formed him and graced him. And how dare we take a minimization view of the thing that God did when he put his fingerprints on our life. How dare we look at that or let the enemy define that you're not good enough or you're not big enough or you're not talented enough or you're not gifted enough. How dare we look at that and say, God, you made a mistake by not making me more like him. I want their gift. Not knowing that every piece formed is part of a picture tapestry, an array that's going to demonstrate his goodness and his glory. Somebody figured that out. They knew that some little girl was going to giggle when they got a box with all that stuff in it. But it's just a box with stuff in it if you don't have an instruction manual for it. Hand that to an eight-year-old and see whether or not they can make that picture. Probably an eight-year-old could. Hand it to a 60-year-old and have them... Because the eight-year-old at least has enough imagination still. Gathered but not assembled. It's a picture of the body of Christ in in this season. And what God wants to do is he wants to begin to establish... Prophetic, apostolic ministries that will begin to declare what God has declared and begin to paint a picture of what God desires from the body of Christ who begin to to take the scripture and unfold it. Teachers and pastors that begin to take this scripture and unfold it and say, this is what God is building. This is the picture that he's painting. This This is your place in the midst of it. And you will find a place that is unique to you that is not like any other. And And we need to stop trying to be something else. And take the place that God positioned us. It's this wonderful fivefold ministry thing. Everybody wants somebody else's. <laughs> See, you don't want somebody else's stuff because you don't have the grace to carry what they carry. Amen. That's good preaching, Pastor. Thank you so much. I appreciate so much you saying that. That was really an eye-opener. Because with the anointing and with the call and with the commissioning and the assignment comes the grace to manifest in it. And if you have a grace to manifest something, then you need to find the place where that something is manifested and valued and needed 
so that it has function and ability to reflect glory. We have, I, I touched on this yesterday. If you weren't at lunch yesterday, I'll, I'll just real quick buzz into it. We don't know what the apostolic is supposed to look like. So when the apostolic shows up, we don't know how to value it. If I threw a coin across the table that was from another country, it may look gold, but you don't know whether it is or not because you don't know how to read it. You don't know where it's from. You don't know the value of it because you've never seen it before. And the problem is in the body of Christ, we have people that are being raised up, prophetic and apostolic people, especially in this season right now, prophetic and apostolic people are being raised up and we don't know how to value them because we've never seen them before. We don't know how to interact with them. We don't know what to do with them. We don't even know where to take them in order to cash in on what they carry. <laughs> Spoken by one who doesn't know. Who, who, listen, if you have this on you, you know there's value in it because God is, he won't let you off the hook. And it's like he's dangling you out there and you don't know what in the world you're supposed to be catching. You know you're a piece and you know that you're unique and you've never seen another piece quite like what you carry. You don't know where in the world to do with it. You don't know how to... I don't know what, how valuable these... I don't know what would happen if one of these pieces was gone because I don't know what they do. But if I'm in the middle of assembling this and one of the pieces is missing, I'm going to be stopped right there in that place. I'm going to be stagnant until a place is made or a person steps forward. A piece establishes, a piece comes out of hiding and say, I was afraid that I would never find my place. So I was hiding. And we're afraid to say who we really are. Because we're afraid we won't be valued. Because we've never seen us before. <laughs> it's the cry of prophetic people all over the world. And you've had the audacity to come out of your caves in, 19, in, 19, in, 20, in the year 2000, Y2K. Remember, remember Y2K? Say, I'm telling you how old I am. Some of you young people have no idea what I'm talking about. You were born in Y2K. Y2K, the Assemblies of God started a thing called Decade of Harvest. And we had a, a prayer meeting in Springfield, Missouri. And I went to Springfield, Missouri, because if God's doing something, I want to be in the middle of it in the decade. And I went into to Central Assembly in, in Springfield, Missouri, and about 150, 200 pastors there. I came down to the front. I was totally broken. I was totally lost. I couldn't find myself. I didn't know what in the world. I, I felt so lost. I didn't know what I was. I didn't know where I was. I, I, I didn't know how I fit. I couldn't figure out... Why did you make me thus? You show me things that I don't, nobody else is seeing what I'm seeing. And I don't understand this. And I'm down at the altar right here in the front. I've got my face in the carpet sucking. Have you all ever sucked carpet? I mean, I, tell you, I mean, you get it in your nose and you get it in your mouth and, it, uh, and, and you really don't give a rip. You just cough it out and keep on praying. I was just sucking carpet. And all of a sudden I heard, I didn't know what it was. I heard this rustling and it was like 
from down deep underground, I could feel the waters begin to, to bubble up inside of an underground cavity. I understood that there was a, you know how water glass, feel, it, I, I heard that kind of thing going on. And underneath me, there was this, there was this filling of the water table that was releasing and it was, it was coming up. And as it was coming up, I heard these, this stuff, it felt blowing by my face. It was like, I couldn't figure out what this was. And as I, I opened my spiritual eyes, I saw that there was, this was bats coming out of the cave. And they were, they were rushing out of the cave. And the water was disturbing the place they had hidden. And God says, my eagles have lost their sight because they've been hiding in the caves. <laughs> and when they come out, they're going to open their eyes and it, it's going to be so bright, they're going to be needing covering. And I want you to set up tents and I want you to cover them when they come out. I want them to have a safe place to land. <laughs> cover them. Spread out your arms and let them come under your wings. Do you know that in 2000, prophetic people were so stinking messy, it was It was ugly. Sorry, were you a prophetic person back in that time? <laughs> Forgive me. I'm, I'm not, it's not a personal thing. It's just, you know what? When you're in, the, in a cave that long and isolated and you don't know what you've been seeing and you come out with all this stored up stuff. How many of y'all have ever gone to your refrigerator and found something that's been in there way too long? That's the way the prophetic was in 2000. It had been in there way too long. And when, when they would start opening up, all this stuff would come out. And it was like, well, I don't even know what that is. And they'd say, eat this. I don't want to eat that. I don't know what that, I don't know where that's been. And they had, <laughs> and God said, I want you to cover them. We started trying to, to make a place for, for the prophetic folks to come and just be comfortable. God sent us some amazing office prophets around us in that season. People were moving from all over the nation to come to Grand Island because they heard that there was a place. I didn't know what we were doing. I had no idea. All I knew was there, there were some pieces coming up out of the cave and God said, I want you to take care of them. I don't know what this is about. And I didn't know that they were the key to the apostolic that was going to come on our life in the next decade. That we needed the apostolic and the prophetic to stand together because in, in the apostolic and prophetic, when the apostles, plural, and the prophets, plural, come together, they become a foundation. Ephesians 2.20. On this foundation of the apostles and the prophets, somebody's got to begin to build a, a community for those who come up out of the cave not knowing who they are or where they've been. They, their, their eyes are hurting because of the brightness that they come out of this place of revelation. God's releasing new revelation. And some of you are living in the, in, in the value of that revelation that began to be released in that season and that time. You're living in the manifestation of that because there were some, some cultures that began to be raised up. And even here in Omaha, there were people that began to raise up and say, we want to cover, we want to, we want to cover the, the prophetic. We want to champion the prophetic. What we didn't have have at the time was the apostolic come alongside of them to give that form and function. So we had prophetic, we had the revelation, but God always does things first with the prophets and then with other, with other folks. Have y'all ever felt like you're out there and nobody even understands where you are or where you're going?
And you might even been assembled with other, or gathered with other prophets, and, you, and you're looking at them and going, who are you? Do you all know there's different kinds of prophets? Different colors, different flavors? There's the, I'm going to rip your head off prophets. There's the, I love you so much, I'm not going to let anybody talk bad about you. There's the, there's the pastor, you better get this right. A lot of noise comes out when you're not assembled. Doesn't mean much if you're not assembled. <laughs> we didn't have the instruction manual because it's, it was residing in the apostolic that's being raised up in this season. They have the strategies and the, and the overall plans. They're the master builders that know how to read the, the instructions, how to, how to process the instructions. The prophets tell us what. The apostles tell us how. The pastor tell us when. The, the teachers put up the boundaries. Tell us what's in the scripture. The evangelist says, come on over here. We got a box and it's being assembled right now. You're going to love this. That's the next thing that's going to be raised up. We just lost the, the major evangelist in the world. The last weeks of the last century. And the stage is set. And if you're a prayer warrior, I want you to begin to pray that God will raise up a generation, a, a whole company of evangelists that are going to go to the nations under the covering of the apostolic with the direction of the prophetic. They're going to, they're going to come together with the, with the pastors in a region that are going to disciple and establish the, the thing but with, with uh, teachers that are going to bring health and healing and, and establish a proper order and, and, and uh, guardrails so that we don't run off the tracks. All those things are going to come together because we're gathered, but we're not assembled. But God's about ready to start assembling. He's beginning to give the instructions on how this is all going to come together. I, listen, it's not one person or one ministry. Did you notice when I said this? I said there, it's on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. The only time apostle is used singularly is when Paul is talking about himself and he simply says, I was called to be an apostle. Whenever they're operating, they're always operating in teams. Prophets always operate in teams. It's, it's not a that teachers back me up and tell me whether or not I'm right. I'm right. Prophets are never to give prophetic words to the body of Christ without affirmation from other prophets. Let the prophet speak. Let the others judge. Prophetic gathering, prophetic community. If we're not willing to be assembled, we can't be our, whatever we think we are out there by ourselves. My granddaughter's going to be so mad at me. Do not come and get those pieces. I want them back. Every one of them is valuable. I don't want to lose a one. <laughs> the prophet's got an interpretation. It's a prophetic manifestation. 
If you don't stay gathered, you're going to be scattered. I like when the Holy Ghost is chatty. (laughs) You know, you can ask him questions. I want to just say this before we go on. Do you understand why we tell you stories? It's not to say, look at us and see how amazing we are. It's to say, look at what you can do. If you listen to the Holy Spirit, do you understand who you are? This is not my ministry or Mel's ministry or pastor's ministry. This is our ministry. When one flourishes, we all flourish. When one suffers, we all suffer. When one is missing, we all feel the lack. When one is not in place, when one is running, when one is rebellious, we are all a diminished company. That's why prophets, we have to learn to go after people and love them into the kingdom. Not tell them how wrong they are, but speak to their heart about their destiny. Tell them who they are. Dress them in the robes. Paul says, you want to see the marks of my apostleship? Let me show you the marks of my apostleship. This here. This is is where a big rock hit me when they were stoning me over there. See this mark on my back? They whipped me. And they whipped me. And they whipped me. Because the enemy did not want to see me take my place. You want to see the marks of my apostleship? The the storms tried to kill me. The atmosphere, the the enemy who is the, 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 the prince of the power of the air tried to take me out because he saw that what I was about to do was going to shift the nations for the kingdom. Do not... Do not desire a spiritual gift that you don't have grace for. (laughs) You hear it? Desire earnestly the best gift that you may prophesy because prophesy prophecy brings hope. And hope releases faith. Promises. Some of, our, some of our intercessors trying to call. <laughs> Told them I'd be down at 11.30. They're checking on you. <laughs> Man, I want to talk some more. If you're an intercessor, pray for the raising up of true apostles in this season. Prophets, encourage one another. Link your arms in such a way that you have, you have such a, a partnership. Nothing on this planet can separate you. 
you're walking into a place where God is beginning to use you and, and you don't have to be in the church and you don't have to have a tag and you don't have to have a, a, an apostleship badge in order to do what you're supposed to do. There are apostles to the workplace wherever you are. If, you, if you're one of those people that sees big picture, if you see things, how they're supposed to fit together, if you see things not just in what the little microcosm is, but you can see this, this, this assembling together, you know why the people are in the room. You, under, you understand why that person is coming on the team. You, you, you see it. You, 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 you walk in the room and you know those things. Don't worry about somebody calling you something. Do what you are. Some of you have lived your whole life going, why doesn't somebody do about that? That is so obvious. Why doesn't somebody do something? It's because you see it and they don't. And you blame them for not having the grace that's on you. When you won't take your place. Because when you take your place, you become a target. And you begin to be effective in bringing heaven to earth. The enemy looks at you and says, I'm going to get after you because I don't want you doing what you're doing. When you're leading worship and you're bringing heaven down, I don't want you doing that anymore. So why is it that the worship team always takes the brunt of the attacks? Because they're the ones doing it. What would happen if the whole body of Christ began to be elevated to the place where they're activated in the kingdom of God so that the enemy doesn't know who in the world to attack? So he has to knock a thousand intercessors out of the way to get to a pastor. When he, when he starts moving toward a young apostolic leader that's being raised up, he has to go through a thousand other apostolic leaders that are standing with their arms locked around that one and saying, you're not going to have this one. You're not going to take this one. You're not going to discourage this one. The whole body of Christ gets activated and connected and assembled to become a glorious thing. <laughs> Man. Whew. I want to throw this out just for the fun of it. Hebrews chapter 4, I think it's verse 12. Forgive me, guys, I don't have it up on the screen. But it says the word of God is sharp and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. Divides down to the, to the soul and the spirit. It, it cuts down to the joint and the marrow. And I, I'd love to teach about four hours on that right there, but I, I can only do this one little piece. I'm going to do this. I'm going to try to take one little nugget out of this. There are things that we are looking for others to supply by joint that are supplied by marrow. Marrow is that which is deep inside of us. Every one of us has marrow. And right now it's producing life. But it's produced inside of you. Nobody else can produce that for you. You need to produce that for yourself. That's marrow. Joint is that which somebody else has that you need to link arms with them, bring your joints together, and their joint provides your, your joint strength. The body of Christ has been so busy looking for a joint with someone else that they've forgotten to produce marrow for themselves. Or even when they're producing marrow in themselves, they don't trust that as much as they trust the joint. 
They trust somebody else to hear. Why did we tell you the stories today? Because we want you to come to us and whenever, listen, Melanie's phone rings five or six times a week. I lost my glasses. I lost this. I lost that. Some of you would take that as a compliment. We don't take that as a compliment. We take that as a failure. Because we don't tell you the stories so that you'll call Melanie. We tell you the stories to find out what's, is it joint that I need Melanie? Or is it Morrow that is in the life of every believer that can create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit talks and you can ask questions and he answers you? Do you want joint or do you want Morrow? Both. Good answer. There are things that can only be supplied as I'm linked to others, apostles, prophets. But there are other things that, are, can only, that should only be produced in health inside of me that I don't have to have a transfusion from somebody else to stay alive. And some people in the body of Christ live from word to word to word to word to get a, a drink of somebody else's morrow, and it's cannibalism. It's vampirism. Did you just say that? Yes, I did. And I'm not going to apologize for it. Because if we want to become healthy, we have to learn these things. Okay. If, if something that I have said, you say, I, okay, I need to walk in that. I, I got it. I just saw a mirror. I saw something. Something. Whatever it is. Somebody has the gift of pickup. Somebody come help me with the gift of pickup, would you? All right, yes! Listen. Whoa, 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 whoa. You guys. A member of the body of Christ was just called on and volunteered quickly to do something all of us could have done. What do you want to say to this guy? Good job, man. Thank you, guys. It's so awesome. You have the gift of pickup. It's amazing. We need that in the body of Christ. You say, Pastor, you were talking to me. I don't know what you want to call me. Prophet? What do you want to call me? It doesn't matter what you call me. Just, But you say, you know what? I heard that. And I need that. I saw a blockage right there. That's, that's what's been holding me back. And I want, I want to walk past it. If that's you, I want you to jump up and I want you to run to the front right now. I just, Mel and I want to lay hands on you and just say, you know what? We're going to break that off in the name of Jesus. Thank you, buddy. You're amazing. My, daughter, my granddaughters will love you amazingly. I want you to come forward. I don't want you to look for us. I want you to look to him and just say, Father, I heard you. I heard what you said. I'm going to walk in this. I'm going to step into it. I'm not going to be held back. I'm not going to be fearful. I'm not, I'm not going to hesitate. I'm going to run into this place that you just invited me into. Revelation is invitation to the next. Revelation is invitation to the next. If you have a revelation today, it's an invitation for you to step over. I want you to see a threshold in front of you and just step over it in the spirit realm. Uh, 
the threshold's right there. You can enter in. You've been invited in because of the revelation that came to you. That revelation is an invitation for you to step in. I want you to step in right now. In the just see yourself in the spiritual realm. I step in, Father. I'm stepping into a new day. I'm stepping in. I'm coming up out of my cave. I'm going to stop complaining about what everybody else isn't doing, and I'm going to begin to be who I was called to be. I'm not going to. I'm going to stop comparing myself to others. My anointing is not lesser than. It's different than, but it's not lesser than. My anointing is exactly what you gave me. The grace you gave me is not going to be received in vain. The grace that you gave me will be received with value. I receive this grace with value. I receive, just tell him, I receive the grace you've given me. I receive the grace you've given me. I receive the insight. I receive the anointing. I receive the assignment. I receive this. I'm tired of trying to be something I'm not, but I'm going to be everything you called me to be. Shabbat. Tell him, tell him, tell him. Talk to him, talk to him. Rise up. Well of life, well of grace that's on the inside of me, that which is being produced inside of me, the grace that He put in me when He created me, the DNA that He put in me when He... I speak to my bones. Rise up, bones. Rise up, rise up. Produce what He put in. Release the grace that He put in you. Release the grace that He put in you. Release it, release it. Just speak to your bones. Speak to your bones. Bones! Rise up! Hey! Hey! <laughs> You've been atrophied. Rise up and begin to produce the grace that's in my DNA. <laughs> Wake up. That's a good word. <laughs> Wake up! Wake up, all oh my bones. Wake up! I'm going to walk in this grace that you placed on me. I'm going to walk in this anointing. I'm going to walk with this mantle unashamed. I'm not going to try to hide the mantle any longer. I'm going to walk in the mantle. I'm going to walk in the in the anointing. I'm going to walk in the call that you gave to my life. I'm going to wait. I'm not going to wait for somebody else to give me a ministry. I'm going to step into that which you called me to do. I'm going to listen to your spirit and say yes, 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 yes. By the grace you put in me, yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
I want you to load up on grace right now. I just want you to load up. Father, I receive grace. I receive the grace that's on me. I receive this grace. I receive this grace. Load up on it because you're going to give it away in a second. Load up on it. Load up. Get extra. Not just enough for you. Get extra. You're going to give away grace. You're going to give away grace in just a moment. You're going to, you're going to have a, a manifestation of grace in your hands, in your heart. You're going to, I want you to load up. Let your spirit load up. I want you to take a breath and make space for it right now. Just make space in your spirit for more grace. More grace. More grace. More grace. <laughs> load up. Load up. Load up. Load up. Load up. count of three, you're going to reach over and you're going to release grace to somebody. I don't care what kind of grace you're carrying. You're going to release grace to somebody else. You're not just here to get this for you. You're, you're here to learn how to give it. I want you to feel it coming in and I want you to, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you what it feels like when, it, when it's released, when it flows through you, when it goes out of you. Jesus said when he's walking that day and the woman came through the crowd and she pressed and she touched him. She, he, he stopped and said I felt something go through me. That's a manifestation of the, of the revelation that there was something moving in him. You need to know what that feels and looks like because you need to learn how to receive that grace and walk loaded with grace and be ready to give it at any moment when somebody touches with faith. You're going to be ready to give that which God has put inside of you. Does that make sense? Okay. Load up. You know what it's feeling like? Just sense it. What what does it feel like? One. I get to three, you're going to lay your hand on somebody and you're going to release grace. Just release grace. One, two, three. Go ahead. Just release grace. Just release grace. The grace that's on me, I release to you. The grace that's on me, I release to you. The grace that's on me, I release to you. By joint, now you're receiving grace. By receiving from someone else, you're receiving grace. It's not just the pastor. It's not just the, the special speaker. It's every believer in the body of Christ learning to operate in the anointing, releasing what they carry. Not what somebody else carries, but what they carry. The grace that is on you is functional to really release to others. <laughs> I don't care what grace you carry. It's enough. The grace is enough. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. We release grace. We release grace. We release grace. Take a note. What does that feel like? What does that feel like? What do you sense as grace is released? You that are receiving right now, I want you to, I want you to, to consciously draw on the rest of the body of Christ. I want you to say, I draw grace to myself. Father, I thank you for filling me with more grace. And I, I thank you for the joint that's around me, for the, for, the, for the body of Christ that's around I draw from them. I want you by faith right now to begin to draw grace from those that, are, that have their hand on you right now. Just begin to have faith enough to draw grace. Just draw grace. Shabaka. <laughs> draw on the grace draw on the jointing of the body draw on the on that which supplies father we receive grace don't receive it in, in, in vain. I believe that it's, it's going to produce some fruit in me right now. I thank you, Father, for fruit. It's para. <laughs> para. Para. 
fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. <laughs> Grace, grace to the hearer, grace to the hearer, bread for the sower. Release the sweetness of the fruit, Father. I release the the sweetness of the fruit. Assemble us with the believers, Lord. Let us let us feel what it is to be in the right place at the right time. Let us feel what it feels to be covered and surrounded by those that fit with us in the body of Christ. <laughs> I thank you, Father, for raising up a, a company of believers, a company of prophets, a company of apostles, a company of pastors. <laughs> Father, we pray for the young young evangelists that you're going to raise up. They're going to reach nations. Father, I pray that the Reinhardt Bonke anointing is going to be released and multiplied. Multiply it out. Rabba, Rabba, Rabba. Multiply that anointing. Multiply that grace to a whole company of young, young evangelists. Apostolic evangelists. They're going to take nations. Shabbat. off that person for a moment unless you just put your hand on them take your hand off that person load up again load up again the same grace the grace that God's given you access to the grace that you have have faith to receive receive some more of that receive some more of it breathe it in now find somebody else find somebody you haven't had your hand on yet grace just say grace be unto you grace grace the grace that i carry i release to you the grace that i carry i release to you the grace that i carry i release to you in the name of jesus the grace i carry i release to you just say it by faith by the grace that i carry i release to you in jesus name by the grace that i carry i release to you right now i release anointing i release i release oil i release power i believe grace i re- i release grace in the name of jesus Grace, 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 grace. If you don't have anything else to pray, just pray. Grace, grace. That's what they need. Grace, grace. Power of God. Power of God. Be released. Hey, healing's being released right now. Receive it. Draw on healing right now. Just draw on it. If you need healing in your mind, body, spirit, some of your, your soul needs restored. Your soul needs... There's healing right now in the grace. There's healing in the grace. Grace becomes what's needed at the moment. Whatever grace you're releasing becomes what's needed in the individual receiving. The grace is released and it becomes what's re- what's needed. Grace, 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 grace. 
grace. I want you to practice this all day long. I want you to, I want you to be aware of the grace around you, just like Jesus was when he walked. He was aware of the grace that was on him. I want you to become aware of the grace that's on you. And when you feel it being moved, I want you to find out who moved it. And I want you to move to him and just say, hey, I don't know if you believe in this or not, but I'm going to pray for you. Shabbat grace, grace, grace. I want you to turn to somebody, look at him, and say, I like the grace that's on you. I like the grace that's on. I love the grace that God's putting on you. I love what flows out of you when your hands are on me. I love the thing that looks that that look you've got in your eyes. I love that. I love the joint of the body. I love being in the box with you. I want to be connected in a greater way. I want to know where you fit in the body of Christ. I want to, I want to, I want to champion your fitting in the body of Christ. I love the anointing that's on you. I love the grace that's on you. I want to be a good steward of the people's time downstairs. We have stewards that have a grace of hospitality on them. I want us to go and take of their hospitality. I want you to bless them as you go through the line. Tell them how, what a wonderful grace they carry. Father, thank you for food and nourishment, the grace of those who carry hospitality. Thank you for this house that is such an awesome host to these to, to these movements of God that are coming in this next season. Father, thank you for these believers. I love the grace that's on you. <laughs> I love the grace that's on you. I love what flows through you. <laughs>